to episode 90 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About Bernie Sanders. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as secession, abortion, the State of the Union, capitalism, the United States at War, or Bernie Sanders comes up, please share the topic-specific Truth Quest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and most recently, ThinkSpot. The video versions of the podcast are available on YouTube, BitChute.com, and Brighteon.com. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at TruthQuest.Podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. As you listen to this episode and the one after this, episode 91, I want you to pretend that I am describing Ted Cruz or Jeb Bush or even Trump. And I want you to consider how the mainstream media would handle the situation, how they would represent the facts. My goal in producing this episode is twofold. Number one, point out yet again the double standard of the media and the partisan Democrats. And number two, to tell the truth about Bernie Sanders. And in the next episode, we'll discuss Biden. Clearly by my tone, you will not be surprised that I oppose both of these men for a number of reasons. And believe me, I get it from the mainstream Democrats. You only have two choices. What are you supposed to do? Who else are you going to vote for? The two-party system sucks. You can't possibly vote for a racist, misogynist tyrant like Trump just like you couldn't possibly have voted for a dumb actor named Reagan or a yes-man ex-CIA chief Bush Sr. or his idiot cowboy son or the maverick John McCain or Mitt Romney. For heaven's sakes, Harry Reid said he didn't pay his taxes and he put his household pet on the roof of his car. So let's get started with a quick review of what these men, Bernie and Biden, have in common. First of all, their opponents have come up with some Rather amusing nicknames for each. Bernie is known as Mr. Free Shit, and Biden is known as Mr. Can't Remember Shit. So for Democrats, it appears that you have a choice between socialism and senality. One will be 79 years old in November. The other will be 78, making Trump the youngest guy running for the presidency. He turned 75 in June. Both Biden and Bernie are career politicians. Neither has held down what you and I would consider a real job, Neither has ever started or run a business. Full disclosure, Biden did have his own law firm for a short time, but his political career stymied any chance that he might come to understand the free market system. Neither of them have an economics degree, nor have they ever produced evidence that they are aware of anything resembling the discipline of economics. Both of them ignore the United States Constitution on a regular basis, just like the current residents of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and the one before that, and the one before that. So despite the fact that within days, maybe weeks, of the publication of this episode, today is March 15, 2020, Bernie Sanders will probably drop out of the race for the Democratic nomination, simply because he's lost all momentum as he piled up primary losses to Biden, and now the coronavirus has the country at a virtual standstill. Despite the fact that Sanders will recede from the headlines, I still think it's important to tell you about this man and what he advocates for because of what it says about America. In four years from now, we will most likely be faced with another, likely more radical socialist candidate for the highest office in the land, and it's Bernie who laid that foundation. 
But what is that foundation made of? Let's find out together. So who is Bernie Sanders? Well, he attended Brooklyn College before earning a bachelor's degree in 1964 in political science from the University of Chicago. While in Chicago, not surprisingly, he became involved in the civil rights movement. After graduating, he spent several months volunteering on an Israeli collective farm that functioned according to communist principles. Upon returning to the United States, Sanders moved to Vermont and married a college sweetheart. They lived in a commune of sorts with no electricity. It's described as a back-to-the-land movement. They divorced after 18 months. Sanders then had his son Levi with another woman before he married his current wife. I'm sorry, but can you imagine if this was Mitt Romney's life story or Bob Dole? I mean, the double standard in the media is staggering. Sorry, I digress. So Bernie went on to work a number of odd jobs, registering people for food stamps, a filmmaker, a freelance journalist, where he wrote some very disturbing things. You should Google it if you're interested. He was a carpenter for a while, a psychiatric aide, and a teacher for low-income children through Head Start. He also became active in the anti-Vietnam War movement, which drew him into electoral politics. He ran as an independent for governor of Vermont in 1972, 1976, and 1986, and for the Senate in 72 and 74. I mean, this guy is anything but persistent. You gotta give him props for that. In 1981, he was elected by 10 votes to the first of four terms as mayor of Burlington, Vermont. He served from 1981 to 1989. So I just want to pause here for a minute with two observations. Number one, the guy's what, 40 years old at this point in his life, where he lands his first real job with steady income, which of course came on the public dole from a government job, from which he hasn't strayed in the ensuing 40 years. I'm sorry, but by most standards, a resume like the one I just read equates to loser. Number two, the guy who is now pursuing the presidency, his pinnacle achievement is mayor of a small town, followed by decades sitting in D.C. Really? How do Democrats square that with their treatment of Sarah Palin, who was the former governor of an albeit small state when she dared to run on the McCain ticket? But these same lame Democrats won't think of being principled in their evaluation of Bernie's qualifications for office, but they sure as hell will destroy Palin. Soon after winning the mayoralship, Sanders, who was now divorced, met Jane Driscoll, who had three children from a previous marriage. After a seven-year relationship, they got married. In 1988, Sanders ran for the House of Representatives, but lost. Two years later, however, he was elected to the body. After taking office in 1991, Sanders, a self-described Democratic Socialist, caucused with the Democrats. He served 16 years in the House of Representatives from 91 to 2007, and is currently working on his third term in the U.S. Senate. So let's do the math. 16 years in the House. He's now working on his third Senate term. That's another 12 years. So we are talking about almost 30 years in Washington, D.C., with eight years as a mayor. Talk about someone with no real-world experience. Never waited tables, never answered customer phone calls, he never had to make payroll. I mean, come on, this guy is a piece of work. Has there ever been anyone like him in the national political arena that has been taken seriously? Then he runs for the Democratic nomination for president in 2016, and for all intents and purposes, beat Hillary. But the DNC would not have anything to do with that. And here we go again, four years later. The lifelong, devoted, and self-professed communist turned democratic socialist, which basically means he knows communism won't sell in America, nor will socialism, 
but he'll preface it with the word democratic. Couple that with enough ignorant voters that may buy what he's selling and you get a movement. What it really means is really high taxes, like his favorite reference places in Finland and Sweden, high taxes and lots of government goodies, lots of government control over your life, thus Bernie's nickname, Mr. Free Shit. Only problem is there's no such thing as free stuff. Check out episode number 57, The Truth About Free Stuff, if you're interested in learning more about that. Bernie, as you can imagine, is no friend to the Constitution. He sees it as an obstacle to his agenda. Think about the Constitution as I read you a quote from Bernie as he describes his politics. Quote, I think democratic socialism means that government has got to play a very important role in making sure that as a right of citizenship, all of our people have health care. That as a right, all of our kids, regardless of income, have quality child care, are able to go to college without going deeply into debt. That it means we do not allow large corporations and moneyed interests to destroy our environment. That we create a government in which it is dom not dominated by big money interests. I mean, to me, it means democracy, frankly. That's all it means. Clearly, anyone who has even a rudimentary understanding of the Constitution would recognize that health care, child care, and college are not constitutional rights. His entire agenda is unconstitutional. Not only that, they are economically ignorant, they're, they're immature, they're fiscally irresponsible, and many, from a policy perspective, are proven failures. Here's a list of his major policy prescriptions. College for all and cancel student debt. Expand Social Security. Housing for all. Universal child care and pre-K. Eliminating medical debt. The Green New Deal. Socialized medicine, i.e. Medicare for all. A guaranteed federal job, $15 an hour federal minimum wage. On and on he goes where he'll stop. Nobody knows. I'm not looking to dispute Bernie's policy prescription in this episode. I've actually done that in several other episodes. I already mentioned episode 57 about free stuff. You can listen to episodes 31 and 32 about socialism. Episode 83, The Truth About Capitalism, will come in handy as Bernie Sanders and many other National Democrats spend quite a bit of time bashing it. There are a few other episodes that dispute much of a Bernie's agenda, including episode 39, The Truth About Student Loans and the Cost of College, episode 4, The Truth About Minimum Wage, and then I produced a series of episodes about healthcare, episodes 9, 12, 14, and 17, healthcare in America, socialized medicine, Obamacare, and healthcare reform. And when it comes to Social Security, episode 8 covers that topic. And finally, I would suggest that you listen to episode 80, The Truth About Democracies, since Bernie extols the virtues of democracy over and over and over again. Either he is ignorant of what he is suggesting, or he knows damn well what he is saying which is the scarier of the two options, and proves him to be very dangerous and, quite honestly, evil. Did you know that Bernie Sanders, the commune-living, devout socialist communist, has three homes and is a millionaire? Interesting note, if you watch some of his old speeches from before this most recent presidential nomination run, you will hear him say over and over again, millionaires and billionaires. Today, when you listen to him on the stump, notice that he dropped the word millionaire. I wonder why. Full disclosure, he largely became a millionaire from book sales, which he will readily claim when questioned about his wealth. You can tell a lot about a candidate by the celebrity endorsements. For Bernie, he's got Michael Moore, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Susan Sarandon, Ariana Grande, Sarah Silverman, Danny Glover, Danny DeVito, Spike Lee, Miley Cyrus, John Cusack, and the Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro endorsed Bernie in 2016. If you care, you can look up the political rhetoric and beliefs of all these folks and draw your own conclusions. While Bernie sees no need to defend the Constitution, he seemingly will defend communistic regimes to the end. As reported by the Washington Examiner, quote, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders warmly praised Cuba and the Soviet Union in the late 1980s after visiting each, dismissing horrors in Cuba as right-wing propaganda and praising Soviet infrastructure even as the dictatorship prevailed and the country was on the verge of collapse, end quote. He praised the cheap and clean subway system in the Soviet Union. He was very impressed by, quote, programs for youth and workers. The article goes on to explain, quote, Three years after Sanders praised its infrastructure and said its problems were similar to those of the United States, the Soviet Union ceased to exist, end quote. Sanders has repeatedly praised the Cuban Revolution and Cuba's free health care, free education, and free housing. Everything is free in Cuba and Venezuela, but everything sucks. And on the rare occasions when he has asked a tough question about the type of care, the level of education, or the housing conditions in these countries, he never answers the question. In a recent interview on 60 Minutes, Bernie just couldn't bring himself to condemn Fidel Castro. He said, quote, You know, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. When Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? End quote. What does it tell you about a man who praises communist regimes? How can you trust a man with that kind of lack of judgment, lack of common sense, and unwillingness to acknowledge the horrors and deaths and forced starvation by communist regimes? Well, you know, you might be right about all that, but why are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater, man? They have literacy programs and a really good subway system. Bernie once explained that people standing in line for food is not necessarily a bad thing because at least there's food. Quote, in some countries, only the rich get fed, end quote. He once wondered aloud, quote, you don't necessarily need a choice of 23 underarm spray deodorants when children are hungry in this country, end quote. Really, Bernie? What does one have to do with the other? I mean, his economic ignorance is stunning. Does he really think that if a company spent less money on product development that those dollars would magically end in hungry children getting fed? Why doesn't he ever suggest that the federal government cut its spending and plow those dollars into hunger programs? Full disclosure, this is not a criticism of Bernie alone. This is a criticism of every member of the ruling class of both parties who have voted year after year, decade after decade for increased budgets and spending at the federal level. Corruption and nepotism are one and the same in Washington, D.C. Obviously, the Clintons took it to another level, but as long as D.C. has wielded power, the power brokers have grown more and more corrupt and peddled their influence to epic levels. Bernie is not immune to this phenomenon. Did you know that Bernie's wife, Jane, was under FBI investigation in 2017 for fraud related to loans she applied for for Burlington College between 2004 and 2011 while serving as the college's president? A year later, the U.S. attorney in Vermont closed the investigation, bringing no charges against Sanders. Imagine if Jane's last name was Cruz, or Bush, or Trump. I bet you would have been aware of that investigation. Did you know that throughout his congressional career in the House and Senate, 
Bernie Sanders has used campaign funds to procure media buying services from a consulting company founded and operated by his wife and her children. Again, if the last name was McCain or McConnell, you certainly would know about it. Did you know that in 2009, Burlington College contracted with an unaccredited woodworking school run by Jane Sanders' daughter? Over $500,000 was funneled from Burlington College to the woodworking school. Again, last name Sanders, nothing to see here. One of the last points I want to make is what a pansy this dude is. I mean, of biblical proportions. You remember during one of his debates with Hillary, he said, Enough about your emails. I mean, the one chance he had to knock her out, his one chance to hit a hanging curveball out of the park, and he punts. As I said earlier, in the coming days and weeks, he will likely fold up shop and quickly and quietly ride off into the sunset as the Democratic establishment mounts a unified offensive against him. Instead of ceding to the most corrupt politician in our lifetime, he will cede to a man who is obviously suffering from some cognitive disorder, a man who we will discuss in detail in the next episode, who is a known compulsive liar, a walking, talking gaffe machine with his own corruption issues. Personally, I don't think Bernie wants to be president. I don't think he ever wanted to be president. There's no way someone with his background could handle the rigors of that office. The number of decisions they are required to make on a daily basis, the negotiating, the knowledge of budgets, economics, monetary, and fiscal policy. A guy who once lived in a commune, whose most demanding work experience was a small-town mayor, a guy who thinks communism and socialism are preferable to the free market, capitalistic society, a guy who will be almost 80 years old when he takes office is destined for failure. Before I end this episode, I have a few random thoughts that I couldn't fit in anywhere else. Number one, the dude had a heart attack last year and refuses to release pertinent health records. Again, I might be a broken record here, but if the same set of circumstances occurred to Ted Cruz or Jeb Bush or Donald Trump, well, well, hell, it did happen to Trump. The left was relentless in their quest for both physical and cognitive tests on Trump, the latter of which certainly will not be requested of Bernie or Biden. Number two, Project Veritas recently published a disturbing undercover video of a Bernie organizer in Wisconsin advocating for violence and riots if Trump wins. And number three, if that isn't enough for you, consider the fact that a Bernie supporter, James Hodgkinson, shot up a GOP congressional baseball practice, almost killing Congressman Steve Scalise. What was that, three years ago? Where was the wall-to-wall, 24-7, relentless press coverage of such a high-profile incident? What if a Rand Paul supporter shot up a gathering of Democratic politicians? If you are looking for an easy-to-read reference guide to have on your desk or bookshelf that covers many of the topics tackled here on the TruthQuest podcast, grab a copy of my book, Critical Thinking, spelled with a P like Paul. The subtitle is The Lost Art of Critical Thinking and Common Sense in Politics and Public Policy. In it, I tackle dozens of public policy issues from a pragmatic and logical perspective. It's available at Amazon and anywhere books are sold. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for more information. And as always, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.